You like the Just Baseball show and want to make your own? Let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never seen before. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Happy Monday, December 27th. I hope you had a Merry Christmas with all of those that are important to you. This is the Just Baseball Show, of course. I'm Arm Layton, and it is just Arm Layton today, as I'm going to talk about a few different things that I am very excited to get into. I'm going to use this opportunity to give you an update on Just Baseball and what the future holds. We're really excited. A lot of big things in motion for 2022, so I thought I'd let you know ahead of the new year kind of what we have planned at Just Baseball, because this is really not even the tip of the iceberg of what we have to come. I also wanted to use this episode as an opportunity to really just lay out as I work on what is a piece that I am very excited about to write on JustBaseball.com, just laying out my thoughts on where we've gotten in the Hall of Fame voting situation. I think the more ballots we see come in, the more haphazard the whole situation is. And I have a lot of thoughts on this, and I'm excited to be able to just kind of spew those out and give all of my just perspective on this, because this really is something I dream of doing one day. Uh, but I think Hall of Fame voting has never been in a worse place than it is right now. And a lot of that is because of where baseball was about 15 years ago or so. And we're seeing it kind of rise to its head right now. But I have a lot of thoughts on that as well. Most importantly, I want to talk about the future of just baseball. And if you're wondering where Jack McMullen is, he's in Cabo and he's probably about 10 Modelo's deep right now, having a great time with his wonderful girlfriend. And I am very happy that Jack is doing that. It is much deserved and hard earned. I could have easily roped Peter into this because Peter is a workaholic and will never say no to more work, which is a big part of the reason why we are where we are. And I have this whole lowdown to give you on what the future holds because Peter is such a grinder and I'm so proud to call him my business partner through this whole thing. Uh, but I'm giving Peter the night off as well because they filled in for me on Friday. I was supposed to be a part of that episode, was not able to get to it. So I'm going to pay the price here and do a solo episode. I joke about saying pay the price because Locked On MLB Prospects, the podcast I'd hosted for the last couple years, it was by myself, every single episode, except for the episodes where I interviewed players. And that's the first thing I wanted to talk about is we are really excited at Just Baseball to continue to build out our network, not just on the social side, not just on the editorial side on JustBaseball.com, but also on the podcast side. We, we've teased a little bit of it 
on the previous episodes, but I wanted to just kind of dedicate an episode to let you know what we've got planned next because we are really, really thankful and grateful for you, yes, you, for consistently listening to this podcast, consistently consuming whatever it might be from our articles, checking those out on the website to following us on social media and making this a viable thing for us, really, like for lack of a better word, this is something that Peter and I specifically, but a lot of our staff, everybody is really all in on. Peter and I have put our careers on halt to grow this and really make this a big part of what we're doing and make this our future. I mean, we don't want to do anything else. Peter and I want to make a career out of this. And because of you, this is actually a viable opportunity. And we are so excited about that. And I'd been hosting my personal podcast for the last two years over at Locked On, and I'm super grateful for everything that they've done for me, giving me that opportunity to host the Prospects Pod over there. And I'm really excited to be starting a new Prospects Pod under the Just Baseball umbrella. It will be a couple episodes a week interviewing some of the biggest name prospects in baseball, and it will be called The Call-Up. And I'm really excited to be bringing that under our umbrella. We're going to be adding fantasy baseball shows. We're going to be adding a college baseball show as well, which there's really nothing like that on the market. And Ryan Miller, who you might remember from our Rule 5 draft episode, he is fantastic. He's going to be hosting that college baseball show along with another guy on our staff, Ben Bellotti, as well as Peter Flaherty who is the general manager of several years for the Katuit Kettleers, really helping put together some of those ridiculous rosters in the Cape Cod League. So a lot of great insight on the college baseball side because college baseball is so hard to keep up with. And now we're going to have a podcast multiple times a week for you to get all of the latest, all of the information. And of course, it will feature a lot of interviews with college baseball players as well. And college baseball, really, it is the purest form of baseball outside of Little League where you really see a level of give a shit from these players that desperately want to win. Omaha was such an awesome area, and we're really excited to ramp up that side of our coverage as well this coming year. And that's something that I really want to emphasize is we launched this site. We launched everything right into the season. It was right as the season had started, and the site hadn't launched until mid-season almost, late June. And we kind of bootstrapped it and we were just going and going and going and we were so proud of the growth, but it didn't give us too much opportunity to take a step back and fill in the needs that we had. We were just going and going and going and seizing the momentum. But now we look at the entire site and we want to really capitalize on what we are predicated on, which is being that one stop shop for the baseball fan. We are going to add a gambling show, which guess what? It's called the not gambling advice show and that's going to be hosted by guess who your man peter apple along with colby olson and that's going to be a blast so we have so many different things coming together here so many different avenues on this network that we're so excited about and also of course on my side of things especially on the editorial really excited to add some writers across the board Fantasy writing is going to be consistent, really good articles that are going to give you an edge on your fantasy league. College baseball, like I said, just like the podcast, great coverage. We're going to have top 25 team rankings. We're going to have top 100 draft prospects, mock drafts, everything you can imagine. On the prospect side, we're hiring more people 
uh, just across the network so that I have more time to focus on my prospect write-ups, to focus on my top 100 list that, you know, I was so humbled and excited about the reception that that got and all the top 10s that I do across every team. I mean, it's a lot of write-ups and I'm excited to have some more time to do that. And we're going to just bring on more and more interviews, of course, outside the box with Jeff Conine. A very exciting podcast for us, too, that we're going to continue to grow. By the way, we just had Jason Stark a couple weeks ago, but now we're going to have Boog Shambi, the great Boog Shambi, who will be on the podcast in the coming days as well. That's Outside the Box with Jeff Conine. So we just have so many things we're really proud of, excited about, and we feel like we can just give everything a baseball fan could ever want. Not to mention... We have Cardboard Consultants, the show that I am a part of as well, where we'll be telling you about what baseball cards to invest in and what you need to know about the baseball card market in general, how you can collect most effectively, efficiently, and how you can make a profit off of your cards as well if you're interested in doing that. And I don't even have time to get to everything we have planned for 2022, including events and other big things that we are very excited about. All this to say that we are just amped for what next year holds. And while we are extremely proud of the momentum that we have built, Peter and I want to tell you that you have not seen anything yet. We are just getting started. And that's the most exciting part about all of this. We've not even existed for a year. I know there's a lockout. Not too concerned about the lockout being a hindrance on the season coming up. And this is going to be the season where we really hit the ground running and continue to build on what we have going on here. So wanted to give you a little bit of that update there. That is just the tip of the iceberg. We have more coming. YouTube is going to be ramped up as well, where you could follow over there at Just Baseball Fans as well. I'm going to be doing a lot more hitting breakdowns and things over there that I'm very pumped about. And again, none of this would be possible if it weren't for you and your support and your consistent support of everything that we're doing. I mean, this has just been such an incredible experience and opportunity for Peter and I, and I know he's going to want to share his own words as well. I just wanted to get this out there to give a little bit of an update ahead of next year, but Peter and I will no doubt do one together as we continue to lay out what the future holds. There are even more big announcements coming down the road and plenty of things that I cannot wait to share with you all in the new year ahead in 2022. Peter and I are very aware that we wouldn't be here without you, and I'm very aware that I wouldn't be here without Peter and his incredibly hard work as well. So thankful for you and thankful for Peter times a million as well. Now, time to talk a little bit of Hall of Fame ballot, because I'm not just going to make this uh, infomercial, right? I mean, I hope that was interesting enough, because there's plenty to look forward to, but I need to talk a little bit of baseball on this as well. I'm working on an article, really just kind of laying out the whole idea of how we've gotten here as a sport, really just as a sport as a whole. How has Hall of Fame voting gotten to the point where there's just not even remotely a rhyme or reason. Yes, it's all somewhat subjective, and that's why you have so many different people cast votes, and that's why you need a 75% threshold, not 100%, because there are a lot of different perceptions on what is a Hall of Fame-worthy career and what is not, but what you need is three-quarters of the people to think that you had a Hall of Fame career. Here's the problem, is that that is no longer the criteria. The criteria is no longer whether you had a Hall of Fame career or not. It is whether what you did during that Hall of Fame career ethically was bad enough to undermine what you did on the field, which was already a Hall of Fame worthy career. 
that's where we get into a very slippery slope. And I'm not to say that I disagree with any of the hesitation to vote or not vote for some of these players. I understand it very, very clearly understand why you wouldn't want to vote for a steroid user. I mean, I can understand that. And of course, even more so not voting for an asshole like Kurt Schilling or Omar Vizquel. That's a little bit more cut and dry for me. The steroids is where we really get to a point where I think as a sport, as writers, as players, I don't think anybody quite knows how they want to handle it. And that's the difficult part because what has really spurred a thought in me and has just made me want to talk about this in detail is the fact that we are seeing Empty ballots turned in. Empty ballots. And remember, you can get 10 votes. There's 30 players on the ballot. A lot of them took PEDs or have ties to PEDs, but a lot of them don't, as far as we know. Right? Scott Rowland is not linked to PEDs in any way that we know. Neither is Todd Helton. Todd Helton has the altitude thing working against him. Bobby Abreu, as far as I know, no ties to PEDs. Same with Jeff Kent. So when we look at this as a whole... Why are you not voting for anybody? Like, I understand why you're not voting for the PED guys if that's your stance, but none of those other guys are Hall of Fame worthy. I think many of which that I had listed out are probably a toss up. I think Scott Rowland is objectively a Hall of Famer, and I wrote a whole piece on that at justbaseball.com. You just don't see that many players who had 300 home runs, who had 2,000 hits, and also a 20 or more defensive war. The list was about five players, and off the top of my head, One was Cal Ripken Jr., another was Craig Biggio, another was Adrian Beltre, who is not in the Hall of Fame yet, but should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Then there was one other more throwback player, 60s, 70s player that just finished short of the Hall of Fame, but his offensive stats were not nearly as good as the aforementioned three. And then you had Scott Rowland. So it seems like Scott Rowland is is going to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, Maybe you don't want to vote for him yet, but if you're voting for nobody, why would you not just throw in a Scott Rowland vote? I mean, what is the point of that? So that's one side of it. I'm seeing empty ballots put in. And imagine you I mean, this is one of the things that I think every writer as they're coming up uh, in the industry and just starting to become a journalist and building their credibility, you are dreaming of one day being able to vote on the Hall of Fame. It is an opportunity to vote on history before it is written. That is what it is. Yet we finally get that opportunity as a writer here. You get that ballot in the mail. You open it up. You look at all of it. Scanning up and down the piece of paper, 30 names listed, and you decide to scribble your name at the bottom, fold it back up, put it in the envelope, and send it back away where it came from, checking no boxes, nobody. This is what you waited for your whole life, or this is what you were looking forward to your whole career. And maybe this is the 10th, 12th time that you've cast a vote on the Hall of Fame. And I agree, it is really shitty that you as a writer have to make almost an internal hierarchy of cheating, right? Like, oh, this guy cheated a little bit, right? David Ortiz may have cheated. It's not proven and he didn't get suspended, but he also was not very transparent about anything and kind of just disappeared and said, eh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's not true, sorry, uh, but never really came to defend it or or get really in-depth about the entire allegations and everything that went into that. But then you also have the A-Rods of the world who tested positive, lied about it, and then tested positive again, then got the biggest suspension in Major League history of 162 games. Manny Ramirez, very similar boat. So you have the voters who say, any ties to PEDs. Nope, you're out. I'm not voting for anybody with ties to PEDs. Then you have the voters that say, eh, I'm, t- I'm going to vote for the guys who, you know, they did do PEDs, 
but then they stopped after once. And it was just Lucy tied to it once it was vehemently illegal. They stopped. And that's a huge gray area, right? And then you have the people that are like, ah, no, I'm voting for all of them because it's just a part of baseball. It is what it is. And we just need to proceed as normal and acknowledge that these guys were phenomenal baseball players and steroids help you, but they don't make you hit the baseball. And look, I think the average person lies in the middle of all of that, right? There's a reasonable average person that lies in between all of that. And that's not to say you're unreasonable if you lie on either side of the aisle and either extreme either. I, I totally get it. But the problem is, is we took something that was supposed to be pretty much just based on baseball, right? Based on what you did on the baseball field. And now we're asking baseball writers to create a rubric for morality. No, not their ERA, not their FIP, not how many home runs they hit or their strikeout rate or whatever it is. They're forced to just somehow create the rules that nobody else wants to create. Up until the point where these PED guys got on the ballot, we made it relatively easy for voters for the most part and for writers for the most part. Of course, you had the guys that were in between, but usually 500 home runs, you're in. That was black and white. 3,000 hits, you're in. A well above 300 batting average, you know, you're 315, 320, you're in. You hit those thresholds, you're a Hall of Famer. That was very black and white. Do I necessarily agree with statistical thresholds? Not really. Uh, I, I, that's a whole nother conversation. But Fred McGriff, for example, 493 home runs, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. I can bet you if Fred McGriff hit seven more home runs, he's in the Hall of Fame. Does that make his career any more prolific? Probably not. So there, there's some issues with the thresholds as well. But at least at that point, you have some consistency. Where we are totally lost here is where we have people that have no idea how to reason. And I don't blame them. I'm not saying that they don't have the ability to reason in general. They're being asked to reason on something that they have no experience in. Who has experience in deciding who is more of a steroid user or not? Or who is who benefited more from the steroids than other people? Is that really how we're going to do this? Is that how we're going to decide? You don't know the exact days they juiced. They're so much to it. But when I see Sammy Sosa getting a vote and not Barry Bonds or Roger Clemens not getting a vote, but Barry Bonds is, what is the reasoning? I've seen ballots with one of Barry Bonds and one of Clemens, but not the other. Those are two of the most dominant players at their respective positions to ever do it. And they both took, they took steroids. It is what it is. Where are we drawing this line? You have to have some sort of continuity to it. I'm not saying that every writer has to have the same rationale, but I am really sitting here thinking that there is a level of just fuck it from writers because they're like, you put us in this situation. You put us in this spot, meaning the players, that we have no ability to actually make votes based on baseball merit. We have to make them based on what we think is more palatable of a mistake from a player. And I didn't even mention Andrew Jones earlier, right? That's someone with no alleged PED ties that we know about. And you're not voting for him either. You're leaving that guy off the ballot. You'd rather just vote nobody. And that's where it's just really blowing my mind. So to wrap up on all of that, this is where, and I'm going to write a lot more of my thoughts on this at justbaseball.com. But it's just a shame that we've gotten to a point where baseball cannot decide whether it wants to just wear the PED era, and this is writers, this is players, this is everybody involved, this is the commissioner, this is front office, this is everybody who has anything to do with baseball at all. Nobody knows, 
necessarily how they want to to handle all this and how they want it to be remembered. And that's the most difficult part. Do you want to wear it and just accept it as an era, just like you accept all of the players taking greenies? And I know that's not necessarily the same as steroids, but if you ever take an Adderall before an exam, it's quite the performance enhancing drug. I can tell you that. And there's a reason why that's now a PED in baseball, unless you have an exemption. So what's it going to be? Are we going to white out history and pretend it never happened because we're embarrassed of it? Or are we just going to wear it and accept it and move on? But that's the other challenge. People are saying, vote the PED guys in. Okay, well, what about Mark McGuire? What about Rafael Palmero? I mean, those guys, are they're going to have to wait and then just each of them get selected one at a time by the Veterans Committee. I guess that's a solution, too, if we start putting the PED guys in. That's not the biggest deal. I don't think that is something that I'm going to lose sleep about, but it's another just fold in this entire thing. Personally, I think it's impossible. It is impossible to pretend that the steroid era was not important for baseball. Is it a black eye a little bit? Yes, but it also was a necessary evil in getting baseball out of its own way from its own transgressions prior. Baseball was humming. It was at a phenomenal point in the early 90s. And yes, guys were juicing a little bit in the early 90s and before that. But baseball was thriving. It really was. It was competing with any sport out there. It was doing really well. And then you have the strike. The infamous 94 strike. And baseball was sworn off by people. And I don't blame them because it was a really bad look. And you ended a season that was set to be a thriller. The Montreal Expos were on an absolute tear off to one of the best starts we've seen our own Jeff Conine was having the best year of his career and it was cut short that season as well and a lot of guys were off to great starts but you also lost the trust of Major League Baseball fans and casual fans who just said this is horrible you're gonna just let it go you're gonna just throw the fans to the wayside like this and they lost a lot of interest a ton of interest they plummeted when they came back attendance was down ratings were down Everything you can imagine was down. You know what helped get baseball back to where it needed to be? It was the home runs. It was Sosa versus McGuire. It was Bonds turning into one of the best players we've ever seen. It was a lot of the juicers doing things on a baseball field we've never really seen done. Now we're seeing players that can do that without the PEDs, and that's the pretty crazy part. I don't know if we'll see 73 home runs, but it's not like guys are that far away from it. I mean, there's 60 in the tank for just about anybody any given year. I mean, Stanton had 59 not that long ago, and a lot of guys have been on pace for something close to that before getting hurt or whatever it may be. Just because steroids, particularly, and what resulted from the PED era got baseball out of where it was at, and which was a huge ditch that it dug itself, does not mean that we have to celebrate the steroid era. But I think it is impossible to pretend that it never existed, which I think the very aspect of not checking a single box on your Hall of Fame ballot is implying. It really is. And yes, you can wait until Bonds and Clemens and all of those guys are off the ballot, but it's never going to go away. It's never going to go away. And as Jack McMullen has said in the past, and I know he got that from another place as well, and a lot of people have kind of shared this sentiment and I like it, it's that the Hall of Fame is a museum at the end of the day. Acknowledging, yes, the best players in Major League history and the best players in eras, but it is a museum of the history of Major League Baseball. And there are positives, there are negatives, and there's a lot in between. And the steroid era is a big part of Major League Baseball history. 
not checking the box next to the alleged PED users' names on the ballot isn't going to make it go away. Nothing will make it go away. And yes, you have every right as a voter to not vote for PED users. But what I ask is have some sort of continuity. Have some sort of reason and logic that is actually sound. And I know that baseball has put writers and has put the voters in a situation that is not fair and that is challenging and frankly should never have been in the job description. Again, we should not be voting on morality and voting on who broke the rules the least, but rather focusing on what the players did on the field and how that stacks up to their peers and predecessors. Unfortunately, that's not the case. And there's just going to have to be a different way of going about it. And I don't think that not voting for anybody is the way of going about it. I don't think that voting for the guys you liked is the way of going about it either. Why Sammy Sosa and not Bonds? Why Clemens and not Bonds? Why does that make any sense? It doesn't. And if you can lay out, and I've seen writers put these ballots out there with no reasonable logic between some of that, then you're just making it worse, really. You're just piling on to what already is an embarrassment on Major League Baseball, right? That era is something that Major League Baseball is embarrassed by. But what is more embarrassing is a voting process that nobody respects. Baseball's Hall of Fame is widely known as the hardest to get into. And maybe that's still true when you don't vote for anybody on your ballot. But you know what it also does? It undermines the credibility of Cooperstown. You have people who voted for, and I say people, person, who voted just for Derek Jeter on the ballot because he wanted Jeter to get in by himself. What does that even achieve? What does that do for the Hall of Fame? What does that do for anyone other than something that you think is cool? These are the people that are deciding the fate, who are deciding what history will reflect, and the immortality of players who dedicated their life to a game that... They wanted to become the greatest at, and every player that steps on that field, whether they ended up being Hall of Fame worthy or not, has the desperate goal of one day having a chance to have a bust in Cooperstown, and instead, you have some quack who wants to vote based on slight preferences or something that he thinks is cool. That is what you're basing it on? I think Cooperstown, specifically, MLB's Hall of Fame needs to take a long look at who's casting these votes, and there's a lot of very awesome, qualified, thoughtful, and this was something I talked about with Jason Stark. He starts fresh every single year and looks at every candidate with a new lens and a fresh look at every single guy who was on the ballot and gives them their time of day, whether it's Tim Hudson or it's Barry Bonds or anyone in between, and that's how it should be. But not everybody can be Jason Stark. That's okay. But what really bothers me is how many people in between, how many people out there that are just not taking this process seriously, something that we take seriously as fans or other writers or people that don't have the privilege to vote. And I'm not saying this because I can't vote. I'm 24 years old. I don't think I'm going to be able to do that anytime soon if it ever even does happen. That's not why I'm saying this. What I'm saying this for is that the Hall of Fame is important to me. I collect baseball cards vintage baseball cards based on every player in the Hall of Fame because I respect what that represents and what it took to get there. But now you have a huge, huge issue of people that are making this much less valuable, important, and just ruining the sanctity of Cooperstown by subjective and careless voting practices. 
And I really think MLB's Hall of Fame needs to take a long look at that. That is my serious finish to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed the update. We'll be back with a lot more fun episodes this week. I know this was a weird monologue episode, but I really wanted to get that out there. Big vent sesh. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you are excited for all of our new shows as well. Colby Olsen has his top 20 pitchers coming out very soon in the next couple days at JustBaseball.com. I've got the Giants system coming out very soon, top 10 prospects, Cleveland Guardians top prospects coming out soon, and a lot more. If you enjoy the podcast, please take a second to leave a rating as it helps us immensely, and we look forward to talking to you tomorrow.